Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray, and to give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things which we are not worthy to ask, but through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, beginning at verse 15. Moses said, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. The reading is taken from Luke, chapter 14, verses 26 to 33. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with 10,000, to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can, can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. 
The football manager, Bill Shankly, once famously said, Some people think football is a matter of life and death. I assure you it's much more serious than that. Now, anyone who knows me will know that I can quite happily live without football, but I do understand his sentiment, because there are things that feel like that for me too. Things which I know are life-giving to me in ways beyond the physical reality of a heartbeat or breathing. My list would include reading and music and gardening and, of course, my husband and children and my faith. Your list might be different, but just as important to you. Choose life, we heard in our first reading today. It's Moses who's speaking and it's his final speech to the people of Israel. He knows he's dying. And he also knows that they're about to enter the promised land without him, which they've been heading towards for 40 long years. Choose life, he tells them. Now that might sound completely obvious. Who wouldn't choose life? But Moses isn't just talking about physical existence here. He knows, as well as we do, that there's more to life than just that. His audience are a bunch of ex-slaves who've trekked across the desert with him from Egypt. They'd probably had very little choice in their former lives. As slaves, they'd had to do what their owners told them. But during their long trek through the wilderness with Moses, they'd had to start learning how to make decisions for themselves. And they'd often floundered. Several times, they wanted to turn back to Egypt, back to slavery because freedom and choice seem so hard. But now they're on the borders of their new country, and Moses knows that he won't be coming with them. How will they cope? They'll face a multitude of choices as they try to settle in this new home, as they try to organise and govern themselves for the first time. So Moses wants to give them somewhere to start as they make those choices. Choose life, he says. Set your moral and spiritual compasses aright, he means. Understand your motivation. Dig down to the roots of your decisions and ask yourselves, is this thing we're planning to do going to lead to life, to joy, to wholeness, to freedom? Or is it going to lead to death and destruction? But how will they choose life? By loving the Lord your God obeying him and holding fast to him, Moses says. Choosing life starts by recognising that we are part of something bigger than ourselves, that we belong to someone bigger than ourselves. And we don't just choose life for ourselves when we do this, says Moses. It's so that you and your descendants may live. A commentator on this passage made the point that so often we live by borrowing against the future. We create messes that others will one day have to sort out. But so long as it isn't us, that's fine. Whether it's climate change or unfair trading practices or the corrosive effect of inequality on our society, if it hasn't impacted us directly yet, we often behave as if it never will. We kick the can down the road and refuse to see that the keys to the future are in our hands right now. So choosing life doesn't just mean doing what feels good for us, but
but taking the long view, understanding that we're just one strand in the warp and weft of the web of life, which is being woven by a weaver far greater and wiser than we are. And that takes us neatly into the Gospel reading, which might look as if it's saying the complete opposite of Moses' message. While Moses said, choose life, Jesus says that we may even have to hate life if we want to follow him. What on earth can he mean? It's clear from the message of the Gospel that people found Jesus to be life-affirming, life-restoring, bringing them life in all its fullness. And central to that message was his own resurrection, his triumph of life over death. And we don't expect to hear the word hate coming from Jesus' lips either, especially about those who are closest to us, parents, children, partners. Commentators say that the word that's translated as hate here wouldn't have sounded as strong to his hearers as it does to us. It could just mean to renounce something in favour of something else. But it was also common practice for speakers to overstate things to make a point, to use larger-than-life words and images, hyperbole, to make an impression. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's not saying that our nearest and dearest shouldn't matter to us. He's warning us against getting so enmeshed in the family dramas and tensions, and every family has them, that we can't do and say what we need to, what God calls us to. It's the danger of groupthink, he's pointing out, the tendency to go along with the crowd because standing out would cost us too much. Jesus asks a question. Who on earth would start building a tower if they knew they didn't have the cash to finish it? Of course, we're supposed to answer no one, but I'm sure Jesus knew as well as we do that we're all capable of acting first and thinking later, and it's often groupthink that's to blame. A previous church I served in had embarked on a huge building project just before I arrived as their parish priest, but somehow work had stalled and the project seemed to be sucking the life out of the congregation. No one even seemed to want to talk about it in PCC meetings. It took me six months of careful listening to individuals eventually to get to the truth about this. It turned out that there had only ever been one or two people who'd been enthusiastic about this initiative, and one of those was the previous vicar who'd left. But no one had wanted to be the one to speak against it. They thought everyone else wanted it, and so they ought to want it too. In the end, we found the courage to scrap that project and to do something more manageable instead, which was a life-giving and enriching thing for that congregation but it was a powerful illustration of what happens when groupthink takes over. Whether it's churches or families, those closest to us can be the people we find it hardest to challenge, and that's why Jesus homes in on them here. Yet, as we discovered in that church, sometimes we have to put aside the life we have, the things we're used to, we have to risk other people disagreeing with us or even falling out with us in order to find the life that God calls us to, 
a life that will not only enliven us and our community now, but enrich the generations that come after us as well. Choose life, says Moses, the life that comes from God, who made you and loves you and wants the best for you. In the words of today's special prayer, which we heard earlier, this is the God who's always more ready to hear than we are to pray and to give more than either we desire or deserve, who will pour down upon us the abundance of his mercy. It may sometimes be easy to choose life, or it may be hard, but it's the only life that really is life, which will endure when everything else is swept away. And that's why it matters. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.